As we make our way through this series, we're going to deal with a subject today. It's called the Age of Radical Tolerance. And that is an, that's an interesting subject because it actually deals with two aspects of the world that we live in today. One of them is the biblical narrative. The other is the cultural narrative. And we find ourselves right in the throes of that today, of trying to deal with it, trying to understand it, trying to wrap our hands and arms around it, especially from the perspective of the church and as believers. This age of radical intolerance that we find ourselves in today is, is becoming quite a force uh, with inside the lives of believers and inside of the church as well and say well what is the significance between a biblical narrative and a cultural narrative well it's this a biblical narrative is taking from the scripture from the word of god the word of god is seen as seen as being true and without error all sufficient for all of life and matter of fact it is from the scripture from the word of god that we gain our moral truth among other things, not just moral truth, but among other things. But then there's the cultural narrative. The cultural narrative is significantly different in that from the cultural narrative, here's what happens. Direction, moral truth, is based on an individual, not on Scripture or the Word of God. And so that's what makes the two of them so much different. But we find ourselves living in this age of radical tolerance today, and it is affecting the church. Matter of fact, it's making its way into the very throes of church life today. You say, well, what do you mean by radical tolerance? Well, let me just kind of share with you a couple of things. Radical tolerance of what we're referring to is where people risk being accused of intolerance should someone criticize their beliefs or actions. And the other side of that is you risk being accused of intolerance simply by telling a person about what she or believes to be true. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter number 4, Paul, in dealing with the church at Galatia, found himself in the throes of many different things in confronting and writing this letter to the church at Galatia. And so as Paul is written to the church at Galatia, he makes kind of this point about halfway through the letter that I think is, it speaks greatly to where we find ourselves today. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16, I want you to notice what Paul writes. He said, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? So where does that put us today? Where does it kind of place things for us today? Speaking the truth today can get you into trouble. Here's where the difficulty comes in. 
If you hold to a biblical narrative, speaking the truth to someone else, as far as morality is concerned, could bring about a significant issue. Because you will be seen as being intolerant. Well, from the flip side of that, from the other side, from a cultural narrative where all things are based on an individual's own thought because it doesn't make any difference from that perspective. Whatever you believe to be true is true. And matter of fact, one of the other things that they do from that perspective is this. They basically say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. The biblical narrative says this, that there is such thing as absolute truth. And there is. God is absolute truth. The scripture is absolute truth. There is such thing as absolute truth. But what's interesting is when, from the cultural narrative, when they say that, well, let me just put it to you this way. From the cultural narrative, here's what they're saying. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Well, if there is no such thing as absolute truth, then why did you just make that, that statement that there is no absolute truth? Because what you just communicated to me was, as far as you were concerned, it was an absolute truth. See, here's the, here's the difficulty that we have today, and herein lies the difficulty. Being tolerant today means more than simply recognizing another person's right to have beliefs different from our own. That's what being tolerant actually is, is recognizing that, hey, you can have a belief different from me. And I can be, I can be tolerant of, of that belief. But here's where it's brought us to today. The tolerant person is expected to be wholly accepting of other belief systems, truth claims, moral convictions, and lifestyle choices. To be wholly accepting. I can recognize that you have a different belief than I do, but that doesn't mean that I wholly have to accept it. Let me tell you what it's doing. It's making its way into our churches today. And matter of fact, Christians and believers are being are being framed as being totally intolerant. And my dear friend, the issue today is not, it's not over being intolerant. It comes back to a definition of the word tolerance because the definition of the word tolerance is also affected by which narrative you pull it from. From a biblical narrative or from a cultural narrative. But I will tell you, culturally today, things are shifting quickly in a direction that it is making it difficult for us with inside of the church to understand and to figure out how it is that we deal with it. And one of the things we should not be careful of, or one of the things that we should not be afraid of, is standing on the truth of the Word of God. And we can't. But let me share something else with you. When we do speak the truth, matter of fact, Paul here writing to the church at Galatia, he says, so have I become your enemy simply because I've told you the truth? Sharing the truth, my dear friend, listen to me. One of the things that the scripture says is we should speak the truth in love. 
it's, it, it's not that I have anything against you, but here's what the truth of Scripture says. And I've heard people say this today. They've made comments of this. Yeah, but you don't understand. This is where the church is today. We can't keep going back to letters that were written 2,000 years ago to take truth from. And I'm like, God help us if we're in that place. Because I will tell you today, it has not changed. And so it insists basically that we agree that all views are equally valid and all lifestyles are equally appropriate. Well, my dear friend, I hate to say this, and I'm not going to make any apology about it. It's not what the Scripture says. When we start coming to the place that everything, regardless of what it is, all views are equally valid, I don't know how you get there from here. I don't know how you get there from here. So what are the ramifications of that position? If that is the case, what ramifications then come from that position? Well, let me just give it to you. Members of all religions then are on equally valid paths to God. With no one path being higher or more virtuous than another. Even those who believe there is no deity at all. So from that perspective, then here's what it means. Just do your best. We're all going to the same place at the end of the day. My, my different, please listen to me. Both sides of the equation cannot be true. Both sides of that equation cannot be true. One side of that equation is true. The other side of that equation is false. Now, the question that we all have to deal with today is, which side of that equation then are we going to come down on? Which side of that equation will we embrace today? Do we embrace from what is said? In my, matter of fact, there is, there's a well-known religious... I call him a religious writer who basically says that the church is going to have to divorce its stand on letters written 2,000 years ago if it's going to continue to exist. I hate to tell you this, my dear friend, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, okay, to that at all. The church will always be because God put it in place. God put it there. And I understand that there are differing views. Okay, don't, listen, I understand there are differing views. And if you want to have a different view, that's fine. But don't label me as being intolerant just because I don't agree with that view. It's being equal. We've gotten to the place today where we're losing that communication. And you see, this tolerance for all beliefs increases the rise of false teachers and cults today. That's why we see this rise in them. As we move toward the last days, toward the end times, the age of radical tolerance, is, okay, the age of radical tolerance we find ourselves in today is going to continue to grow and increase, thus leading to even more false teachers and more false cults out there today. 
basically stating that we're all going to get there. Matter of fact, I just had somebody just this past week said, made a comment, and here's what they said to me. I'm hoping at the end of the day, when it's all weighed out together, that my good outweighs my bad, and I'll get to heaven. How in the world do you live that way? I just, I don't know how you live that way. That's a dangerous That's a dangerous place to live. So I want to share some things with you this morning. Three things real quickly this morning concerning the age of radical tolerance and what it really means. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number one. Point number one, truth cannot be subjectively created. John chapter number one, you say, well, here we go again. Back to the scripture. Yep, you're right. (laughs) If you haven't figured it out already, I hold to a biblical narrative. Truth cannot be subjectively created. John chapter 1, and I want you to notice with me verse 14 through verse 17. So what does it mean? What does that statement mean? Truth cannot be subjectively created. In other words, it's not about personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. That's what it means. It can't, truth cannot be created simply from a personal, from an opinion, or from a taste. John chapter 1, verse 14 through verse 17. And notice what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have All received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. But I want you to notice verse 17. But grace and truth. And I want you to notice that word truth there. Were realized through who? Through Jesus Christ. That's where truth comes from. He is truth. That's who he is. This word that became flesh and dwelt among us. God took on flesh. God entered our world. He became flesh, took on flesh. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, is absolute truth. That's who he is. And that we can stand on. No wonder Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. And we talked about that, whether it was exclusive or inclusive. It's exclusive, I will tell you. And matter of fact, we're deemed as being intolerant today because we hold to that view of truth from the Scripture. 
that we hold to a truth from Scripture, that Jesus Christ is the only way. So therefore, truth cannot be subjectively created. And let me tell you something to you this morning. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. And it doesn't, tell, it, it doesn't matter what my personal preference is. It does not matter. At the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter is what the Word of God says. Now, here's the difficulty. If you believe that this book is nothing more than just another book of antiquity and it's just full of myths and all of those things and it's all full of errors, you know, here's the amazing thing about that. There are more people who have claimed or made claims that the Bible is full of errors. And you know the amazing thing about it is they've never read it. How do you know it's full of errors if you've never read it? Did you also know that the Bible that we have today, out of all of the literature of antiquity that we have, we have more manuscripts today of antiquity for the scripture and the path of scripture than all other literature of antiquity. The seriousness by which they placed together and put together the scripture. Mm. But it's not true. It is simply a myth. What is held by the cultural narrative. Point number two. Truth cannot be relative and change from person to person. Truth cannot be relative and change from person to person. There's either truth or there's not truth. One way or the other. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. We'll actually start in verse 7, read both of them for you. Hebrews chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews closing out this letter, verse 7, says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Doesn't change. Now notice verse 9 as the writer of Hebrews continues. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And I'm thankful today that we don't have to worry about a changing wind out there. Oh, tomorrow or next week things are going to change, so you better hold on. He does not change. The same message he delivered when he was here during his earthly ministry, 
is the same message today. Nothing has changed. There's only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. Turn to James chapter 1. Just keep going right on to the next book. James chapter 1. Look at verse 16. He said, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is none. There is none. God is not changed. God is the same. Scripture is the same. Jesus Christ is the same. Truth cannot be relative and change from person to person. And what's amazing to me, go back and read history. Culture has changed on a regular basis. It depends on what time of the season it is. As culture changes, it moves, it changes. Truth within side of the cultural narrative changes constantly. Inside the biblical narrative, truth does not change because it's grounded and founded in the Word of God. But there's a third point that I want you to see as well. And here it comes. All truth claims can't be equal. That's a problem. They cannot all be equal. All truth claims cannot be equal. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to speak to this. All truth claims cannot be equal because Jesus did not claim to be a truth, one among others. His claim was exclusive. He was not just another truth. He was the truth. Turn with me to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 52. And I want you to notice what Jesus says. And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Verse 53. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. So what in the world was Jesus' comment in verse 52? What is the significance? Basically, what they're looking at him is saying, just who do you think you are? Making reference to Jesus. Just who do you think you are? Jesus has made a claim that he's greater than Abraham. So in verse 53, 
Here comes a response back. Surely you're not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Hey, they're struggling with it. So who are you? Who do you make yourself out to be? In other words, they bring it back around to him when we come to verse 54. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say, matter of fact, holding on to their monotheistic view of God. Matter of fact, here's what you say within yourself in verse 54. He is our God. Verse 55. And now notice what Jesus looks right at him and tells them. And you have not come to know him. But I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Verse 56. This is going to be the one that is going to be the cutting sword here. Verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So what in the world did Jesus just tell them? Abraham understood that there would be a Redeemer, and it was Jesus Christ. And it speaks to his existence of eternity past. Verse 57, so the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, and here it comes, before Abraham was born, he said, I am. That was truth. Speaking directly to them. Truth speaking directly to them. And then look what what came about as a result of that. Verse 59. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let me tell you what he just did. He told them the truth. That's who I am. And what did they want to do? Kill him. So what does that say about the culture that we find ourselves in today? Not much, not a whole lot different. You see, believing in God, even the God of the Bible, is not a problem for most people today. There's a lot of people who believe in God. Matter of fact, in the God of the Bible, but in today's culture, In the cultural narrative, here's the problem, and this is where the issue comes in. They believe that they can define him and his truth based on their own terms. Folks, I tell you this. It doesn't work. It's not up to you to define God on your terms. Because you see, God's already been defined. 
It's right here. He's already been defined. Isaiah the prophet spoke concerning God. There is no other God. So all of these false gods and all these false religions and all these false teachers and all these cults that are out there who are perpetuating a truth that is not a truth. All truth claims cannot be equal. Either Jesus Christ is who he claims that he is and who he says that he is, or he's not. There's not a middle road out here somewhere. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There is no middle ground. So where do we find ourselves today making its way even into the church, basically building and shaping a truth to fit their own personal desires that allows them to live however they want to live? Because I've already defined it myself. And I hear people say this all the time. Nobody is going to tell me what I can do and what I cannot do. Hmm. That's a strong statement, isn't it? That's a strong statement. So, Brother Robert, what do you do with this? And I want you to understand something this morning. I just want to share the truth with you. It's all I want to do. Is to take and look at the truth. Look at the evidence. Investigate it yourself. The Bible isn't just another resource or a set of inspirational stories or helpful guidelines from which we can form our own truth. Let me tell you where we are today. It's making its way into the churches. Well, you know, it is the word of God true, but you also need this and you also need this and you also need this and you also need that. No, you don't. There's only one thing that you need, and that's the word of God. There is, there is nothing else except the word of God. You see? It's how the one and the only true and living God chose to reveal details of himself to each one of us. That's how he chose to do it. You want to know who God is? Read this. It tells you all about who he is. In closing this morning, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter number 1. Verse 1 through verse 4. 1 John chapter 1. As John writes for us, What was from the beginning? What we have heard? What we have seen with our eyes? What we have looked at and touched with our hands? Let me share something with you this morning. This is not just some vision. Let me tell you what John is writing about. We've seen him. We've been with him. 
We've touched him. We're eyewitnesses to him. Verse 2, and the life was manifested or revealed, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. You see that? We've seen, we've heard, we've handled, we've been with. And my dear friend, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Scriptures are truth. There is no other God besides me.